Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. Now to me, the rat race. This is not about simply working a nine to five. I really look at it as when you live your life by default, when you simply are going through the days, doing the things that you do without much thought. And we often do this because we're programmed to think that we're just one more purchase away from being happier, better, higher up the social platform. But we all know that isn't the case. My guest today is Lisa Lucan, and we discuss this notion of living life by default and how when we simplify our life, we can see what is truly important. We can start to make some changes, sometimes big leaps of faith, but in a direction where we are deliberately living, that we don't always need to wait until some day arrives, that today can be that day. Lisa and I also discuss the concept of easy, that often easy is the default, and that simple living isn't always easy, but it does make you feel like you're living. This is an episode that is going to make you think and question what it is in your life that you truly want. Lisa decided to simplify her life so she could fill it with family travel memories. What do you want to fill your life with? I hope you enjoy my conversation with Lisa Lucan. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Hi, Mike. I'm great. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Very well indeed. And whereabouts in this beautiful world do I find you today? I am in Maine on the southern coast of Maine. Happy days. And so correct me if I'm wrong, but Maine is pretty much the top right, so the top east state of the United States. Is that correct? Yes. I'm pretty I'm right about a mile from, not even, about a half a mile from the ocean. So I'm right on the edge of the United States up, yep, on the on the eastern side. Yeah. And you, you border up. Canada up there and um, you're part, yep. of, part of New England. Yes. God, my, my geography is good then. I, I should know that because we, we spent um, summer last year, the American summer in Providence, Rhode Island, and we didn't get up as far as Maine, but we were able to get into Massachusetts and, and upstate New York and, and um, Connecticut and things like that. So it's a beautiful part of the world. Yes, not too far from me. But I wanted to chat to you today, Lisa, because you and I share a common love of the joy that Simple Living brings. And among many things, you run a website, simplejoyliving.com. But your initial introduction into living with less is an interesting one, as your life was, as you say, unintentionally simplified when your home was flattened by a tornado. Can you take me back to that moment when you saw all the things in your life flattened and scattered all over the ground? Yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday, although it was 27 years ago, it'll be this year. And um, I was a teenager at the time in high school and 
I wasn't concerned much about the things in my life at that, well, about the uh, things in my home and my parents' home as I was mostly focused on school starting and all of that. And to have it all just all of a sudden taken away while I was in the car in the driveway during it and to just have everything completely gone in seconds um, was, yeah, I will never forget that day. And it very quickly made me realize how uh, quickly things can change, how fast life moves and how things can change in an instant. And then how all that stuff that surrounds us really doesn't matter. Um, 29 people died that day and one, including people in our neighborhood. And um, that was what really hit me when we were all so concerned about the stuff we acquired throughout our lives. And then, um, ended up having this tragic incident happen that really put things in perspective for me, even as a teenager. And, you know, obviously when, when things like that happen in your life, it kind of, the next day is always a different day. It's kind of like there's this line in the sand of, you know, that was life before the tornado and this is life after Mm -hmm. the tornado. But once that tornado left, did it, did it kind of bring a calmness to your life? Did, is that the moment that simple living really took a hold of your life? You know, I think it was. And although I, over the years, let that go. And I forgot that as I grew up and did all the things I was supposed to do. I kind of refer to that period after that as my default life where I, you know, went to high school, finished high school, went to college, got a great job, got married, had kids, bought a house, did all those things that we're supposed to do in quotes. Um, and so I, I got, although I never forgot about the tornado in that instance, um, I still kind of got led astray by the culture we live in and began again over those years to place too much value on all the things in our life and spent far too much time in those years pursuing stuff. Mm. And it wasn't until more recently, about five years ago that I changed that again. So it definitely impacted me at the time. And then over the years, it just kind of, the stuff kept coming back. And because that's what I thought I was supposed to do with my life. And it's interesting there. And you and I have spoken offline about this. And I absolutely love that word default that you use. And why do you think we so easily just live our lives on default? You know, we're so caught up with keeping up with everything that people tell us we need, whether it's from television or now the internet or the neighbors or, I mean, we're surrounded by so much competition if we see it that way. And just, um, it's so, it's so frustrating for me. I I can't put words to it sometimes because I just feel like there's things coming at us from all angles and we feel that we need to keep up with all of that. And we're told that all these things that we need will make our lives better and simpler. And that's not how it works. I work with people that have spent years believing that and, and myself included over the years believe that if I only bought this one thing, it would make things better right down to, I mean, bigger things, but then also little things like this will cook your bacon better. You need Mm -hmm. this. And we're surrounded by the craziness of all of that. And, um, it's unfortunate. And it, it, it puts people in a situation where they're trying to fill voids with things 
by purchasing all these things and doing all these things that everyone says we need to do to be happy. And really it's having the opposite effect. Mm, yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you, but like taking that, taking our lives off default and kind of programming them in our own individual way and in our own path that makes us, you know, to use the word happy, because I feel that sometimes we are striving to find that happiness, to chase that imaginary finishing line with the accumulation of all of these things and this stuff in our life. And as you've said, it, it, that doesn't, it doesn't eventuate like that. And I feel that we, we all know this, but, but we still kind of keep going. We still are, are drinking that, the, the Kool-Aid, believing <laughs> that. But what were some of the things that that you did or like, why did you then decide, you know, you were saying five years ago to, to simplify your life. And what were some of the initial things that you did to stop living your life by default? Yeah, I love that question because, and I love the name of your podcast of live immediately, because that's essentially what was happening to me. I was waiting for someday and I was waiting for things to change in my world. And I had been working full time as had my husband and we, had uh, three kids and my stepdaughter at that point, and our household was just crazy. And I kept waiting for something to change for me and make it better. And essentially, I was wishing away my days. And I would just wish for the weekend. And then the weekend would come, and I would wish for a vacation. And then the vacation would come for a week or two. And then I'd be wishing for the next one again already. And I just kept moving forward, thinking that someday things were going to get easier. And eventually, I decided that if something was going to change, I needed to be the one to change it. So I began working with a life coach and through that work, uh, decided that I needed to, um, move on from my career as a accountant and I needed to just start making some big leaps and make some changes. And ultimately it worked out that my husband and I were both able to, um, move across the country to Maine and realize our dream to live near the ocean. And in the process of that, let go of our jobs and about 75% of our things, our stuff, um, our large home and move here. So it, it was a good period of about two years from the beginning of my realization that if something was going to change, I needed to do it. And just a lot of deep work and thinking and figuring out possibilities I think at that point, I think really what changed in me was I just started to see possibilities in everything. And I started to realize that if I needed to, if this was going to happen, I needed to make the leap and I needed to start thinking of things differently and more creatively and uh, move forward from there. So I spent about two years really getting clear on all of that and then taking the leaps and being able to move here to Maine. But um, and still, it's a continuous process every day. It involves creativity and thinking about how you can make things work with the resources you have and how you can do more without falling back into a default life. Yeah, and it's so true. The, the process, it's not a you do this and then you get that. It's if you continually live like this and and change that mindset on things and as you said like looking for the possibilities in situations that's the the continual process and and maybe that process is actually called living um mm -hmm. 
but you know, packing up the family and taking those leaps that you you were talking about, you can they can roll off your tongue so easily because they happened many years ago. But like, take me back to those moments when you were were standing on the edge and about to take those leaps when you were like, you know what. I'm not going to live my life by default, even though I've gone to university and I've climbed the corporate ladder and I've got this great job as an accountant in the corporate world. And to leave all that, you know, talk to me about those emotions. Yeah, I had always, my husband and I got married in Maine and I lived in the Midwest in Illinois, right? Pretty much smack dab in the middle of the United States, a suburb of Chicago. And we, we had gotten married in Maine and we knew from the minute we got married here that that's where we wanted to end up someday. And we, at that point thought, okay, we'll do our, do our time in the corporate world. We'll have our kids, we'll raise our family and then we'll retire and we'll move to Maine. And that's honestly what I thought was going to happen. And that's because that's how I was told that that's how life works and shown that way. And so we, when we had the opportunities to change around our work and do some different things with that, um, it was, well, actually it was several different pieces started to fall into place that I don't even remember all of the pieces at that point, but, um, we just started to see that maybe now was the time to realize this dream. And maybe if we did this, then we could get there. Or if we did that, then we could get there. Um, and I, th- and I think that's a great point because it's really about not not necessarily knowing all of the steps or all of mm-hmm. the points, but actually just starting with one and kind of just seeing what happens. Like taking a step in a different direction is going to lead you into a different mm-hmm. direction. And that is a huge point because as soon as we started to see, as soon as I thought maybe I thought maybe now is the time to go to Maine, and my husband was on board with that, and you know, we had to do some things to make that happen. But once we started, once we put that thought out there and talked about it, things started falling into place in ways that we couldn't have planned or we couldn't have waited for. We just had to put that out there and then things started working out and we started to get creative and figure out how it was going to work. And at one point then I, we decided, you know, this is what we're doing. And you know, everyone that I would tell, we're moving to Maine. They'd look at me like I was crazy. <laughs> and how are you going to do that? What, how, how, how? And I, at that point, was just so convinced that it was going to work. I just kept moving forward one day at a time with, you know, the big picture in mind, but working on selling our stuff and figuring out how our living arrangements would be and where our kids would go to school. And so I was working on wrapping up the past life almost in a way, and also figuring out how the new life could look. And it all started to come together. And in the end, like you said, it rolls off my tongue now so easily. And I look back at it and think, yeah, it just happened. And it, I'm so grateful it did. But um, I think th- the reason it almost seems somewhat effortless, which as I say that word, I remember the struggles of packing <laughs> and moving and decisions about what to do with all of our things. But um, in the, you know, five years later now, well, we've been here about three years, but, um, it, it, we really just kept focusing on how it was going to work. Not even at that point, how it could work. We, once we decided this is what we were doing, it was, how is this going to work? And 
actually it was, this is going to work. And now what do we need to do to make it work? So we shifted from the what ifs into this is going to work. And I trust that it's going to work. And, uh, it did. And mm. yeah. And ever since then, that whole same process of this is what I really, really, really want. Um, things have fallen into place in ways that I couldn't have imagined in and another the, example. And the interesting thing there is that we don't have any guarantees with anything. Even when we mm. are living a life on by de default, you know, that tornado came, you know, we don't have control over those things. We don't have control. Even if we think that we're in a secure job that, that that company isn't going to fold and you made redundant and things like that. So what I love is that you actually, took the gamble or you, you followed the, the unknown with an end result that was really going to be pleasing to you, which is what you really wanted to do, even though you didn't know how to get there, but you, you got there in the end and it's, and it's so beautiful like that. And you also mentioned that you purged over like 75% of your belongings. And that often starts when we simplify our lives to kind of get rid of those certain items and, and, letting go of those items. But what were some of the challenges of, of letting go of, you know, that life that you had in the Midwest and those friends that you had and letting go of those, those elements in your life that might not be physical items? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the friends is definitely a big one. And luckily we moved somewhere where a lot of people haven't come to visit and really want to come to visit. So we've had so many friends come and visit us here and we go back there um, once or twice a year also to visit. So, and then there's social media, which I have a love hate relationship with, but it is, I love it when I can keep in contact with them <laughs> and um, feel like I'm just down the street still sometimes. But um, that was definitely the hardest part, leaving our families and leaving our friends. Um, but we, I actually just said the other day that I feel like after being here full time now, three years, I feel like I've gotten a pretty good group of friends here. And, you know, I, I know who I could call if I had to run out of town and I know who could take the dog. And I know who, like, I feel like I've gotten that built up again here. And, um, so that's really cool. But yeah, the physical stuff was a challenge and a, a long process of going through that. It really is about peeling away the layers and continuously circling back through and making decisions as you're ready and, um, so there were some low points in that, but, uh, I just kept focusing on the fact that I got to move to the ocean and I got to do it now and not someday, a someday that may never come. Mm. And, and, and for you, what were some of those, those initial fears, you know, leaving and also arriving, I guess. Yeah. Um, fears, I would say. We moving our family, um, the kids, although I wasn't as concerned about that. I, my husband was more concerned about that, I think, and how that would, that transition would work for them. But, um, it ended up being pretty smooth. Um, they had, they were each starting in a new school when we moved here with their classmates, they were moving up to a new school. So they weren't, um, kind of, and it was at the beginning of a school year. So we planned it that way to be as least intrusive as possible. Um, I still actually sometimes get lost when I go places. So I had some fears about, I'm not going to know where things are and I'm not going to be able to find this. And, um, 
Maine is much simpler than where I lived before. So you have to, you have to kind of plan to go shopping for some things. Uh, not like before I could get pretty much anything in about five minutes from where I lived. But, um, so the logistics of that and, you know, you get in your routine of where you get gas and when you go grocery shopping and where all the food is in all the aisles. But that, that came pretty quickly. Um, you asked about fears and then, um, on the other side of that. So yeah, the, um, the, the fears of like leaving, but then also, also arriving into the new town, but you, you, you spoke there, you know, you, you've spoken a fair bit of, about your kids and I find when people reach are reaching out to me and asking for some advice and they've got to that point where maybe simplifying their life could be, could help them answer some of their questions. And a lot of that comes when they've introduced a beautiful child into their life. And, mm-hmm. e- and it, you know, even if those ch- children are, you know, growing up, but they feel that, you know, children, as we know, that they they bring so much joy and love, but they also seem to come along with all of this stuff and new routines and <laughs> lack of sleep and all this kind of stuff. But how have you brought the fundamentals of simple living into the lives of of your children and, and how have you seen that shape their personality and, and who they really are? Well, all three of them are very different. Um, I have two girls that are pretty close in age and they couldn't be any more opposite. And then I have a son who's a few years younger than them. And so I feel like with what works with some does not work with the others uh, or what works with one doesn't always work with the others, but they over the years have been very, they've learned to just realize that they don't need a lot of things. Um, they still have, well, my son is eight right now and he still has a room full of toys, but we got rid of so much when we moved and he loves Legos. And so that's most of what he has, but they have gotten very good with giving, knowing that when they're done with toys, they get to go on to someone else who will love them because they've outgrown that and they have other things that are more appropriate or more interesting for their age. So they're very good about um, making their decisions when they're ready to let go of things. Sometimes I have to prompt them, but um, the girls don't have much anymore. As long as they have um, some sort of device, (laughs) they're happy right now. Um, and they do art. And so that doesn't take up a lot of space either as far as supplies. It's not really toys, but, uh, they, over the years though, got very good too, about even with clothes and things like that, you know, this doesn't fit anymore. This doesn't fit out. It goes. So I can't say it was easy in the beginning, but they've all become pretty good at knowing, you know, something comes in, something goes out and they don't, you know, they're kids. They see things that, oh, so-and-so got this. Can I get that too? But mm. um, for the most part, they know that they don't need a lot. And the few things that they do really, really love and use often, they're, they're happy with that. So um, it's been a process, but I finally felt like maybe a year ago, they finally got to the point where they could make decisions about what to do with their things and let things go when needed and... Um, move forward from there. And I think that's a, it's a really interesting point because it's not, it's not just about you can't bring anything into your life. Like we still need certain things and, and there are items that will give us joy um, or make our lives better, but it might also only be for a short period of time. So being able to, for them to be at that age already and to be going, 
you know what, I'm done with this. Like it served its purpose. It's time for it to move on is, um, is a great thing for, for little people to, to have in their lives already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they, you know, we've always been a lot of the things we got rid of, we donated, we did sell some stuff, but it's hard to sell your things and it's a challenge and it takes time. So a lot of the things we donated and we, this is a, we led by example with this. So I felt like all of what they saw us doing with donating things and letting go of things and big things and things that meant a lot and had sentimental value, like, you know, our, our kitchen table where we all sat around that for years and letting go of that. Um, you know, they saw us letting go of things that we just didn't need anymore. And so I, I'm hoping that the leading by example in that case, you know, continues to flow through for them as they realize, you know, I don't need this. It's time to let it go. Someone else can use it. Even if it's still in good shape, you know, it doesn't need to be under my roof and someone else can get good use of it. I think that that behavioral modeling is so important, especially for, for young kids. And it's the same when people ask me about, uh, Mike, I, I want to go through this purging process, but my husband or my partner's mm-hmm. not into it. Um, how do you think I could persuade them to do it? And I'm always about, you just do it, and but make mm-hmm. sure they see you do it. And they'll see mm-hmm. the benefits in your own life, and then they'll want to kind of jump on board um, because you can't, you can't make anybody do anything. And it's the same that we did with Andy. We just, you know, similar to you, just made sure that she, she saw us purging things and then when she asked us about it we told her he said you know we don't need these in our lives anymore um we're donating them do you have any toys that you don't play with that that you'd like to donate and at the time andy was only three um, wow you know and she kind of went into a room and pulled out a couple of things here you go but it was like two two or three days later she came out with a whole stack of stuff and just put oh, put, them, put put it in the middle, and I had to kind of go through it and explain, <laughs> hey, if you're going to give up the tea set, maybe give the whole tea set, not just half of it. But it was exactly. really good, and, and like she's five now, and and she will often come up to us and go, hey, I don't play with this anymore. But what I've really noticed, because um, our schooling goes uh, February to December, because um, uh, our summers over your winter, but she started a kindergarten to start a big school this year. And what I've noticed now is she's really into the arts and craft and she, she gets that talent from my wife, who's an amazing illustrator, but she is designing cards and then like wrapping up some of her toys and giving them to her friends and things like that at school. That's kind of her way of going, you know, like I I love this toy and it brought me so much joy. I'm going to pass it on to my friends. And that's really beautiful to see. Like it's a, um, yeah. And it's, it's really, I, you know, people will often say to me that like, I can't do this because of my kids and I can't do that because of my kids. And I'm like, I actually think that kids get it so much deeper than we do half the time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it, it's, I've, we involved our kids through the process right from the beginning and we'd never ever took stuff without them knowing. Um, I mean, I guess if they're, you know, one or two and they don't understand that things are going, you can take toys and, you know, donate them or get rid of them. But our kids were old enough during this process to know, you know, what was coming and going. And we involved them in the process throughout it and never, we were adamant about not just taking things like when they were sleeping and, um, you know, letting them 
have the time to make the decision with us. And, you know, maybe it wasn't something I wanted them to get rid of right away, but you know, something else, maybe they said, how about this instead? And there was negotiation and it was a process, but we were very, they were very involved. And I think that's the key because mm -hmm. then they don't have regrets and then they don't feel like they're, they can trust you because they can trust you because you're working with them and not against them. Mm. And I think too, that if you just take it away from them, it, even when they are, you know, four, three, and, and they get it, that they understand that they were their things. You, you in a sense are doing the reverse. You're, you're going to be building an attachment to things in them. And they're like, I got to hold on to all this stuff before mom and dad mm -hmm. steal it again. Um, but you spoke earlier about devices, you know, having that love hate relationship with, with technology and social media. And I, I a hundred percent agree with you. Like you and I wouldn't have connected without social media. <laughs> um, but it can, it can really drain so much of our time. And, and, you know, for me, time is, is the true currency. It's the, the be all and end all, but how do you, you know, for yourself and also your kids, how do you how do you manage that with, with a simple life? How do you manage the craziness of, of devices and social media and technology um, in your life? Oh, I wish I had a good, easy answer to that. I feel like every day it's a challenge, something new, or I figure something that'll work doesn't work. And um, it takes a lot of effort from mine and my husband's part to stay on top of this because talk about default, they'll fall right back into it. If we're not, we're not keeping the parameters strong uh, as far as what they can and can't do. Um, I think the biggest way we've been able to get them to disconnect is by traveling. And um, especially when we travel out of the country to Canada or in remote areas of the U S then they're forced to not be able to use them. So that's worked well. Um, you know, I, when you're simplifying your life in general, removing yourself from your home and all your stuff is a good way to realize that you probably don't need a lot of it. So I kind of go with that same theory with the devices and the connectivity. When, when you're in a situation where you can't, be connected, you realize that you probably didn't really need it as much as you, you seem to think you do. So traveling has kind of been our big picture escape for that. Um, on a day-to-day -day basis, it's a challenge. Um, I feel like we're, we're always trying to figure out the, the magic solution. And I don't know that we're there yet, but um, we have a week off of school next week. So I'm going to be implementing some new, <laughs> new routines based on the usage of devices. And we'll see how that goes over. Mm. I think you, you, you're right there when, when we actually, sometimes we feel that we can't live without things and that we really can. Do you know what I mean? That's just the, the mm -hmm. default mind mm -hmm. kind of saying that we can't. And, you know, Inga and I have, you know, we kind of do little experiments, you know, in February, we, you know, went without alcohol um, and made sure that we picked the shortest month of the year to, to, to do that. <laughs> and, and, it, you know, honestly, it's, it, it really, it was a non-issue. Um, and in, uh, from my, my, I guess that I was interviewing who was talking about, um, you know, not eating meat. And then I, I, I saw this poster when I was down in Sydney the other day and it was a uh, no meat may. And I was like, you know what? 
I'm going to try not eating meat in me mm. and kind of see what happens. You know, that's, it's going to be challenging for me because I pretty much have meat in every single meal apart from <laughs> breakfast. Um, but, you know, and I think sometimes when we just do try to live without certain things, we can then kind of prove to ourselves, hey, you can do this. And maybe that other thing that you're saying that you can't do, um, you can do. And I think that kind of, that, like leads back into mindset that we were talking about before. And you also mentioned that, you know, you, you work with a lot of people to help them simplify their life and living simply for me has a lot to do with that, that mindset and the way that we, we see things. How do you help your clients? If, if that's what you call them, how do you help those people change their mindset around simple living? We focus a lot on intentions and what they really want in their life. And if someone comes to me and says, I have too much stuff, I need to clean it out. I need to downsize. I don't know what to do with it. I'll, I help them figure out exactly what their situation is right now. You know, kind of taking stock of, all right, what is, what's really going on here? Where are you feeling the need to change? What do you want to be simplifying? And then we spend a lot of time figuring out what you want instead. And often, <clears throat> excuse me, that has nothing to do usually with the stuff around them. They want to travel. They want to, you know, go out and do things. So often it's travel, but they want to spend more time with their grandkids. They want to spend more time with their children or their husband. And when you start to really focus on all those things that they want that aren't things uh, and, and kind of keep that in perspective, it starts to get easier to let go of the physical stuff. So I, I kind of think of it as tipping the scales of the physical things that feel heavy and even commitments. I mean, it can be the stuff that surrounds us, but it can also be the physical uh, or the actual commitments we have and the things going on in our mind and all of that intangible piece of what makes life complicated and not simple. Um, you start to kind of focus instead on all the things that bring you joy and all the things that you love doing and what you really want someday. And keep that, keeping that in perspective, then start to figure out what you can let go of so that you can make that someday a reality now or sooner than someday. Mm, I, I think that's so true. Like why, why can't someday be today? And you might, you know, mm -hmm. you might not be able to have everything that you wanted in someday that someday off in the future, you might not be able to have that, ex that everything today, but you can definitely do things that are going to lead you there today, or you can definitely do things that are a, a part of that. And it's, it's one of the main reasons why I ask everyone and we'll get to it later on, like to describe the perfect day. And, and it's because like that perfect day that you really want to live, it's, you could probably live it tomorrow or live it today or, or, or kind of make, you know, a couple of, a couple of tweaks in your life to actually get there. Like they're not these, these massive, these massive leaps but they are, as you call it, making, you know, having to go off default um, in a way. And it's so funny that you also spoke about the commitments that we have in our lives. When, when uh, my family and I, when we packed and donated everything and, and headed off overseas, one of the big things that we loved was we had 
all of our time to ourselves. We <sighs> we didn't have to share it with, you know, family and friends. And I, I know that that sounds really terrible, but like since we've been back, you know, your weekends and your days and your afternoons are just sucked by by so many other commitments that you, that you need to do. And it's, it's one of the reasons why we've, we've kind of, Inga and I have spoken and said, you know, our daughter doesn't need to do anything out of school for this first term. Like, let's just, mm-hmm. let's let that, that rhythm and routine just kind of settle in a little bit um, until we understand how this new thing, school, is, is going to interfere with our lives. But, you know, back to the family and friends things, you know, for us, it's, it's really hard because I love hanging out with, with my extended family and, and my close friends, but trying to find that, that balance of, you know, just family time or, or in a weird way, like scheduling that family time in and being intentional about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Preserving that, that sacred time when it's, I think of that always as the in-between, like I can have my calendar. Oh yeah. I have opening. I have room here. I could squeeze that and I could do that. But we we forget the time between we forget like how long it takes to actually get somewhere or what we have to do to prepare for something. And that just sets us up for disappointment and rushing and being late and running around. And it exhausts me just thinking about it. And it's, it's tough. Yeah. When you live a full life, it's, um, sometimes it can be too much. And I find personally, it's, it's, I I walk a fine line of like, Oh yeah, I can add that one more thing. It'll be great. And you know, all of a sudden I've tipped the scales to the, okay, that was the one that, that was the too much. (laughs) Suddenly I, I, that I reached the too much point. So it's, it's not easy still, even after all these years of simplifying and, it's, you know, it's a very intentional fine line you walk and you just have to keep in perspective all those things you really want and what matters most and what your values are. And, you know, is this in line with that? And if not, you know, can I still do it or, or is it, is it a no? Mm. And uh, uh, you, you, you said a word then, and, and you've said it a couple of times, easy. And, <laughs> and I find that easy should never be, well, for me, I've found that that easy should never be the destination that I'm that should shouldn't be that thing that I'm trying to achieve because because often it's easy to to live by default. You know that's mm-hmm. that's often the easy path, but this this other path that is alive and it's different and it's being able to spend these times and as as you've said previously, thinking creatively about what you're going to do with the resources that you have on the surface, it's not easy. And you, you have to think and you've, you've got to kind of, in a sense, reprogram yourself. But, but once you get past that, the, the depth and the beautifulness that's underneath is, you know, it makes everything so much worth it. Mm-hmm. If, if, if so I much just... worth it is even <laughs> the correct phrase, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Yes. And I actually just had that exact same conversation with my husband this morning about something. Uh, We were talking about a decision and I said, you know, that, that would have been the easy route. And that, that would have been the, the, in a sense, the compromise. And, you know, we've made a decision different than that, but I just had that same conversation today about the, the easy is a lot of times the default Mm. and that may not always be, um, 
simple certainly does not equal easy, I guess is where I'm no, headed with that. I like that. Simple does not equal easy all the time. But another beautiful thing um, in life that you and I have in common, and, and you have kind of touched on it a little bit here, is traveling with our families. But how, for you, how has simplifying your life enabled you to travel more? Realizing I don't need all of the things that surround me and I can live very simply and I can see the country, that has been the biggest reward of living simply. I We have a goal to see all 50 of the United States, all 10 provinces of Canada, and then all con- all seven continents with our kids. And we've seen almost all of the states. We've got, um, I think the kids have four left or six left and I have four or something like that. Um, and we've seen half of Canada, the, the smaller half, I refer to it as the Eastern half, but the memories and the time we've spent out on the road and the money we've spent, and we've done it, um, mostly in an RV. Um, so we've done it inexpensively, but I, I would trade any of that for the world. And once you're on the road and you're out and about, as you know, from your travels, it's amazing how so many other things just fall away as being unimportant in your life. And we, we were able to see family when we traveled too. So that made it even a richer experience. Um, family we hadn't seen in a long time. We were able to visit during our travels and friends. Um, I know you've had Jeff Sanquist on the podcast before and I got to see him in, um, in our travels and I've seen, gosh, so many friends I've made from conferences and family, and that's been really fulfilling too. So having all those memories to look back on, um, and there's not a day that goes by right now that we still don't talk about a trip we've taken or some goofy thing that happened on a trip and some of the not so so great things that now are funny. Um, Just all of that is what makes this all worth it. And um, there's the time element too, when you simplify your life and you get creative with your work structure. I mean, I work from home now so I can work on the road or set my hours to not work for certain periods of time. Um, when you're able to integrate in then what you really want, which for me is travel, it's, it's so worth it. it makes it all worth it. Mm. And, and there's, there's research out that actually states that um, just planning a trip increases, mm-hmm. increases your, your happiness levels sometimes more than the the trip itself (laughs) and like and those memories and talking about them and 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 taking yourself back there and like that's the you know they're the things that the kids will remember they won't remember that latest lego piece that they had or or that latest toy but they're always going to remember how mom and dad took us to all 50 states how we saw all seven continents or how we saw all of canada like that is like there, you know, as you said, you wouldn't trade it for the world. You know, that year that I had with my family, it was beautiful. And and now it's like Inger even said the other day, she's like, Mike, I think it's time that we <laughs> we start to plan for the next one or, or let's put some ideas out there. And, and now that Andy's a little bit older, we wouldn't be able to maybe roam um, as much because if we did go somewhere for a full year, we'd, we'd maybe want to be a little bit more settled so she could f- find um, – you know, new friends at a new school and things like that. But it, it really has, it really kind of plants that seed. Like once you do something once and you go, Hey, this, this is all possible. 
you you, you kind of just keep on wanting to do it. Yeah, you. It's like a thirsty. Like I love planning trips, and someone asked me recently, like if you just had today. Well, and maybe this is your question, but if you could, what are the things you love to do? If, it was like a Saturday morning, actually, and our, we were talking about it as a family. And we said, if you could do anything today, what would you do? And I said, well, I would plan a trip. <laughs> and I just love planning the trips. And there certainly have been trips that were much more fun to plan than to actually uh, go on, like certain days of the trips. But um, but looking at the memories, you know, makes it all worth it. But mm. I I couldn't agree more. It's yeah the it's such a fulfilling experience that lives on and on and on longer than anything ever could. Most definitely. And I, I guess that could actually be a good segue to, to ask that final question of um, <laughs> Lisa, if you could please describe your perfect day for me. Well, I definitely would sleep in. I'm a night owl. I am not a morning person um, when I have to be, I am, but prefer the night time. Uh, so I would sleep in and I would, have someone else cook for me the entire day. I'm not one who loves to be in the kitchen, but I do love to have good healthy meals fixed for me. So I would have all my meals fixed for me throughout the day and I would plan a trip. Um, I suppose if it was a day that I could actually be on a trip, I would be doing that. But on a typical routine day here in home, um, I would be planning a trip and I would make my way over to the beach and watch the ocean and, um, spend time with my family, hopefully at the beach doing something, uh, and eat, go out to eat my dinner that someone else prepares for me and cleans up. And then I would get into my groove in the evening. I, I, I love working and I, I probably would actually do some work that in the evening and, um, then I would go to sleep. Mm. Happy days. It's, you know, as, yeah. as, as you say, it's the simple joys that, that life can bring. But, um, Lisa, I just want to say thank you so much for the time and, and joining me here on the podcast today. It's been really great kind of connecting with you. But if people do want to reach out and, and follow your journey or, or if they've got a few questions, if they're kind of starting out on their, on their simplifying of their life, what's the best way for them to contact you and follow you? They can find me on my website at simplejoyliving.com. And there's a contact page on there. That's probably the easiest way to reach me. Um, I think my phone number and email is in there too. But um, through my website is probably the best way to reach me. I'm on Facebook too and the social media sites. But usually um, Facebook is my primary social media site and then through my website. Oh, happy days. And I will make sure that all of those links are in the show notes at liveimmediately.com. Now, is there anything that I've, I've forgotten about or anything that you'd like to, to say before we say our farewells? No, I just thank you so much for having me. And I love talking with other people about simplifying and how they've done it and their journey and uh, that all the benefits they've experienced from it. So it's been great chatting with you. Oh, thank you kindly, Lisa. And everybody listening thank you and until next time have fun and live immediately
that was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.